0: Get ready, it's time! Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s, from great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck.
1: Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here today with Deb Butterfield and she's written a great book for the indie author and I think you're going to want to get a copy of it because it's got a lot of great tips for for new and recently published and maybe for people who've been published quite a bit. There's always things to learn. That's what I love about the craft of writing. It never gets old. Deb, welcome. Thank you, Sandy. It's good to be here. Yeah. So tell me, what was the impetus to put a book together You know, with all these different tips? Actually, it it
2: was my email subscribers. I put out a Tuesday tip weekly email, which is just, it's varied information, punctuation sometimes, things on the craft of writing. And a lot of them said, hey, I really love your emails. I save them. I go back to them. A couple people said, wish they, you know, wish you'd put them in a book. So, you know, it was like, oh, okay. So (laughs) that's what I did.
1: Well, I think, you know, I know I've, I've, I own so many different, you know, reference books or edit books, but you know, things have changed recently. Like no grammar has not changed, no certain things, but definitely, you know, the delivery, if you look at a book, like recently, Deb, I read a book that was published in the 1800s, late 1800s, turn of the century, how that was written. Then I looked at some of the books that I've saved over my life. I was a a Harlequin reader when I was like seventh, eight years old. And my neighbor used to have the subscription where it came in the box with six or eight titles and they were very clean and very sweet. And it was boy meets girl, boy loses girl. They all get back together from some big misunderstanding and live happily ever after. And I look at the things that were published, some of my favorite books thinking, there's no way these things would be published today.
2: Yeah, it's huge difference. It, it, just even what, uh, as, as far as description goes, I mean, people just want short, sweet, make it fast, don't give me pages of description, I don't care about that.
1: Yeah, but I think, you know, I think knowing your, who your, her your genre is, you know, I read a book recently, and I can't remember, uh, excuse me here, sorry about that, my mistake for not um, muting my phone, um, but the, you um, the author went into great deal describing this cabin she was rehabbing. And, you know, the story was a typical paint-by-number romance, but it was so great. I felt like I was watching This Old House, but not with Bob Vila, you know, with some, you know, (laughs) this girl who's decided to do it on her own. And I'm like, oh, my God, she figured out, like, how to hang drywall. Like, that's so cool. Um, You know, so I think there's there's a time and a place for everything, but you've got to know your genre and you've got to know your, your readers.
2: Definitely. Definitely.
1: For sure. So tell me what are, what do you think is the biggest tip that you can give a new writer who's new to the industry, hasn't published anything, but is thinking of becoming an indie author? Like where would you tell them to start?
2: Oh my goodness. Um, And that's, You know, that's in my book, actually. Uh, That's part of what's in my book. Basically, it's, it's learning. I would say, if they're thinking about becoming an indie author, they need to understand what are the differences between being an indie author and being a traditionally published author because so many people who are brand new to the industry don't understand the differences.
1: Deb, I'm just going to stop you here for a moment because now is a good time to thank our sponsor. And our sponsor today is Liquid IV. And I want you guys to go to liquidiv.com and use code MOTHERHOODTALK at checkout so you can get 20% off anything when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code MOTHERHOODTALK at liquidiv.com. You can also find it in bulk nationwide at Costco. Now, if you don't know about Liquid IV, you're going to be so excited to find out that their hydration multiplies is the one product that you're missing in your daily routine. You can use it in the morning, you can use it before a workout, which I do. You can also use it when you feel run down in the afternoon or after a night out with friends. Or when I'm traveling, I bring them along because they're great on long flights. And with just one stick, you can hydrate real life two times faster than water alone, plus get essential vitamins and three times the electrolytes as leading sports drinks. Liquid IV comes in 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Now, if I haven't gotten you excited yet, try these flavors. sea berry, pina colada, passion fruit, guava. I mean, they are so good. You're going to have to check them out. And they contain five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And they're made with quality ingredients. They're non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. You have to try these out. You've got to add them into your day. We are busy moms. We are working it. We are running around with kids. We're getting to the gym we're doing it all so if you want to get real hydration then choose real people real flavor real hydrating grab your liquid iv in bulk nationwide at costco or you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code motherhood talk at checkout that's 20% off anything when you shop better hydration today using promo code motherhood talk at liquidiv.com now we're talking today with best-selling author deborah butterfield and she's written a book that has lots of tips for new authors that are choosing indie publishing and there's a big difference between indie and traditional publishing and first-time authors often choose indie publishing. Now, Deb, tell me a little bit more about the differences between indie and traditional publishing.
2: As an indie author, you're paying for everything. You're doing all the same things. You still have to write the book. You still have to market the book, but as a traditionally published author, of course,
1: they're, um, They're
2: paying
1: the bill. Right. And they have the distribution channels. They generally have places where your book can be included in in magazines and in, you know, in, they might have delivery systems to, you know, different major retailers or outlets. Those things are already in place versus the uh, indie author. They have to, you know, they can use Barnes and Noble online or Amazon, um, Mm -hmm. but they have to really get their books into places.
2: Yeah, that is one of the other big differences. I guess I kind of lumped that into the marketing. Um, Even though traditional publishers, they do have those distribution channels, they still expect the author to do a lot of the marketing, which, you know, 20, well, 20, 30 years ago, it wasn't quite that bad. But now it definitely, they expect a lot more marketing from the author.
1: They do. They do. And they expect, uh, you know, even, you know, within the, the um, nonfiction arena, they expect somebody to be an expert, have a following, you know, before they'll publish a the book. But the preponderance of the sales falls on the author, not on the publishing house. And I think that's the biggest shift that I've seen.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, they would, it's like, okay, what what's your email list look like? What's your social media following look like? What are those numbers? And uh, if they're not high enough, it's, yeah, it's tough to get accepted.
1: Very tough, very tough. Um, But you can go to, you know, you can go to, you can sign up for contests. You can, um, you know, you can go to different conventions and you can network and start to meet people who will help you. Or you can choose a hybrid publisher. Let's talk about hybrid publishing. Well,
2: yeah, hybrid publishers there's quite a variety I find that there are those that basically they just help you get your book cover designed and your manuscript laid out and ready for book. And then they, you know, they give it to you. Um, (laughs) There are those, and there are those that, that actually follow through with the publishing and provide an ISBN and use their distribution channels. But because you're paying for everything up front, then they're not keeping the same amount in royalties as a traditional publisher would.
1: Sure, sure, and you know, and you have to sell a lot of books to to support yourself to make a living. And I think you know, like anything, you know, I I liken a book to a box of Girl Scout cookies. You know, a box of Girl Scout cookies is what five twenty five now, and. No. You know, but I mean a book I mean at least that's what I paid it was like I think it was 525 a box and I bought four boxes and I can buy. I can buy books at Amazon for $1.99 you know there's 99 cent bins there's also you know four, five, six, seven, nine, whatever, whatever it may be, um, but you know you got to sell a lot of Girl Scout cookies if you're going to pay the mortgage.
2: Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, and you have to sell a bunch just to earn back your money as a as an indie author because you've paid up front for, hopefully you've paid for professional editing and you've paid for a book cover and you've probably paid somebody to lay the book out. So you've had a a big upfront expense and it takes a lot of books to recoup that cost, let alone, you know, make a profit beyond that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it's definitely a labor of love. Oh, yeah, yeah, I
2: think probably,
1: yeah, I would say that. Yeah, Uh, but then you look at, you know, I look at, like I watch all these things on Netflix and I watch all these, um, you know, different digital publications that are out and it's always based on somebody's book, based on somebody's, you know, so maybe you don't sell a million books, but maybe your book will be picked up and put into a screenplay format or turned into some digital, you know, that does happen.
2: It does. That would be wonderful. That has yet to happen to me, but I haven't marketed you know, I haven't shopped any of my books for that purpose. So,
1: uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a big demand for digital. I work in the digital capital of the world. I live in Los Angeles. So, you know, I hear people going, you've read any good books lately? Have you see anything that could be turned into a screenplay? You think some, you know, low budget film, or, you know, there's all these different channels, you know, Amazon has its own prime, you know, you've got Hulu, you've got all these, these digital <clears throat> outlets are all clamoring for great stories to be turned into, you know, look at outlander you know outlander was huge on netflix and you know that was I forget who wrote outlander but um, i'm going to look it up here. Um, that was a best selling book uh, before it became you know, a very popular series on diana Galbadon I don't know if i'm killing her last um, name, but she's a well-respected, um, author and, um, you know, it, it was, it's, you know, she lives in Arizona with her husband. She's got three adult children and her son, Sam is a fantasy writer. So she created, you know, you don't know where your creation's going to go.
2: Yeah, that's true. Around the world, you hope, you know, and I think that's exciting. Yeah, it is. It it always is. When I when I look at my royalty reports from Amazon and I see that somebody from the UK has purchased my book or somebody from Australia or even um, South American countries. And it's like, wow, you know, I mean, it is exciting to know that you're touching lives around the world in one form or another.
1: Yeah, no, and I think that's, you know, I love the Amazon distribution, you know, their distribution reports and, you know, you Mm -hmm. can actually see these things. And it's not so much about the dollar figure at the bottom line. It's just amazing to go. There are so many readers out there and it's now a global marketplace, which makes it really fun.
2: Yeah.
1: Which of your books is best selling in your, in your, the ones that you've written? My top
2: sellers? my probably my bible study unshakable faith but then the other one i would have to say is carried by grace Um, it's been out longer than unshakable faith um and it it is a consistent seller which it's nice sort of but in a way it's it's heartbreaking because the book is about um moms who are dealing with family members who have sexually abused their children so in the sense, in that sense, it's heartbreaking that it's as popular as it is. Um, but I'm glad that it's out there and it's helping moms.
1: I think so too. I mean, you you don't know. You know, I go and I start looking through Amazon. I start looking through Barnes and Nobles, and I'm always looking for something. What I call good to read. And what's good to read at two o'clock in the afternoon is very different than what's good to read at nine o'clock at night or at six o'clock in the morning. You know, I'll take a devotional earlier in the morning or late at night. You know, I'll tend to take some light romantic comedy, you know, if it's late afternoon or if I'm, you know, on a Sunday afternoon where I just want some escapism. I mean, that's why, you know, I think it's interesting for you. You have different, you're successful in different genres.
2: Yes. Yeah. I, I've i nonfiction, fiction, and, you know, definitely a, a variety. I think, though, it sort of makes it a little bit harder for me to market, uh, except to market to so many different
1: audiences. Well, it is. I mean, you have, you know, they're basically you know, different, like, you know, different businesses, you know, I have four radio shows. And, you know, the military show is very different than the powered up show different than the coaching show different, you know, so they're different audiences. And sometimes I'll get a sponsor who wants to be on all four shows. And they'll be like, well, why didn't? Why? Why was this show? Why did they buy more of this thing than this episode? I'm like, well, they're different people, they have different price points, they have different um you know they have different needs and wants they're different ages you know all those things but a good book I think can transcend so much
2: oh it can um I have read uh, young adult books and kids of course when my kids were little I read kids books to them all the time but there were a series uh, and characters in these kids books that I just loved and uh, I've read you know, I'll pick up a a YA book and really, really enjoy it. uh, Because it is, it's just a well written story. So it doesn't really matter how old the protagonist is, or how young the protagonist is. Uh, To me, a good story is a good story. And it
1: keeps my interest. Right. Right. I mean, and and sometimes I will actually backtrack, like I watched the fifth wave with my boys and I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. Like, I like this. And then I went back and I realized that the fifth wave was the fifth in a series and I ended up buying the fifth wave collection, you know, and I started at the beginning and you know, um I did those with the Percy Jacksons. You know, my kids loved Percy Jackson. And then I watched the Percy Jackson movies. I'm like, these are so good and I'm I'm digging around in my son's bookcase. He's like, what are you doing in there, mom? And I'm like, I'm looking for the Percy Jackson. <laughs> I want him to read The Lightning Thief. You know, and and you know, they might not be designed for adult consumption, but um they were great books
2: yeah Yeah.
1: you know i have that was that's one
2: thing as a writer that i would love to be able to do is to create a character a series character that people just fall in love with i I haven't gotten there yet
1: yeah working on it yeah um well you know it's funny when you talk about series um i just recently realized. Now you're going to laugh at this because we're going back. I'm looking on Amazon over here because um I had this bait, great little like do you, did you ever read the book Jenny and the Cat Club? No. Okay. So it was like I think in the 70s you can get it used for like 2 bucks and then I looked at the author and I'm like, you know, I really loved this author as a kid. Now I look that that Esther Averill has written multiple, you know, there's Jenny's birthday book. There's, you know, and it's about a fire cat, like a cat that it's a black cat. She wears a fire hat and, you know, she goes to the school for cats. And, you know, there's Jenny's Moonlight Adventures. And, you know, when I was little, we would go to the half price bookstore. I was allowed to pick out a book. I had to be like either a dollar or under you know, things like that. And I would pick up these dog-eared books from the fifties and sixties. Then I go to Amazon and realize, oh my gosh, Esther Averill wrote 10 of, you know, different adventures. So even though I'm a 50 year old woman, I just spent like $30 buying the hotel cat, you know, buying, you know, the captain of the city streets, because it was just such a, it was such a big part of my life growing up. And, um, and then I found on Amazon, there's actually people, or not on Amazon, on YouTube. When I first looked up Jenny and the Cat Club, I was trying to explain to my friend who's having a daughter, you got to get the Jenny and the Cat Club books and you got to get the Wednesday Witch books. I love those as a little girl. And then I went on YouTube. Do you know they actually do readings of the 60s, 70s, and 80s children's books? Wow, well, no, I didn't. It's just some lady. I found her with Jenny and the Cat Club. And she's sitting there like a bedtime story for her kids. And I was thinking this is so great because any kid who wants to be read a bedtime story, there's a mom sitting there with her book. And then she shows the pen and ink drawings, you know, of like the little witch and the, you know, the Wednesday witch and all these stories that I loved as a kid. Um, You know, I thought that this is so, um, it's just so amazing.
2: Yeah, really. I mean, gosh, Doc, I grew up with Dr. Seuss, you know, Oh Dick and Jane you know, It's learning how to read with Dick and Jane. Um, when you think about everything that's available nowadays, like you said, with with the recordings on YouTube and digital books, and it's just so much easier uh, for kids to find good stuff. Yes.
1: You know there's really no excuse for kids not to read or at least listen right well that's the other thing if you have a kid that's (coughs) sorry you know maybe not the greatest reader I have one kid who's a reader one who's not so much you know being able to get like we have a lot of books in our house for my other son who is in um they're all in audible And he'll sit there and listen with his headphones on and he'll retain as much like we got Harry Potter. We had Harry Potter, the books for one kid. We had Harry Potter, the audible version for the other kid. And then for me, I'm a movie watcher. So that got the movie series. And I'm like, there was the same story given in three formats for three different consumptions.
2: Yeah. Wow.
1: (laughs) Amazing.
2: Oh, multi... I don't know that's not multitasking but
1: certainly multi-formatted family there that you have sandra (laughs) yeah um well because i you know as a single mom i had to come up with creative ways if i love to read and i love movies and i love to listen it's not surprising that i get one that we all love movies but then we have one that prefers to read and one that prefers to listen
2: yeah my daughter really enjoys the audible books and she'll she'll put in an audible Uh, in the car during her commute Uh, my sister's the same way she listens to the a lot of audible books now for myself prepared to laugh (laughs) I used to fall asleep while I was reading my kids bedtime stories
1: oh that's funny
2: So, (laughs) so yeah I don't do audible for that very reason because especially in the car um, I do not want to fall asleep. And it it just, it really doesn't matter how riveting this story is. There's something about a voice, especially uh, when it's a certain uh, tenor. Uh, I've learned this even at church. We have, guests, when we've had guest preachers come in, their voice, the deeper voices, sometimes they have this tendency to just lull me to sleep
1: right you know? drone on drone on. well
2: i mean it's not that they were droning on There's just something about the voice that that kind of puts my brain to sleep i don't know so but it's wonderful that that audible is out there especially for people that are dyslexic um, so that they can listen to those books and not struggle trying to read them instead
1: Right. Or even me, I'm a voracious reader. But by like eight, nine o'clock, Deb, my eyes are tired. You know, I've either been programming, I've been writing, I've been, you know, producing or editing. And the last thing I want to do about eight o'clock is night is to look at anything. And mm-hmm. I will hop in the bathtub. And I will put on you know, I have an Alexa, I'll say Alexa, you know, play my whatever audible book that I was listening to the last, I put a hot washcloth over my eyes I put my head back and I have a soak and a listen for about 45 minutes you know because I don't want to use my eyes anymore there's nothing wrong with my eyes I mean you know other than you know I wear glasses but but at the end of the day I don't want any more input that way I'm very okay with having but if I have a whole day of radio interviews like I had today I'm not going to go home and listen tonight I'll go home quietly and read yeah,
2: you want to give your brain a break from what it's been doing all day. I'm the same way. I, you know, I spend my day in front of a computer, um, editing or writing mostly. <clears throat> and when I'm done, I, I don't want to pick up a book. You know, so I have found that when I want to read, um, I read more in the summertime, and and I'll take it outside mm. to to enjoy listening to the birds and the crickets and the other bugs and sometimes I can hear the uh, church there's a church nearby that always plays a song on their bells at about every hour I think so the summertime I can actually enjoy some reading at the end of the day but it's after dinner and I've had a you know a couple of hours of break from from the computer screen but normally especially in the wintertime. Man, when I, my day is done, I just sit down in front of the TV and, and I'm like you, although I'm watching the television, I'm mostly just listening.
1: Yeah, my eyes are closed half the time. So, yeah. Yeah, the other thing that I find myself doing which I think is funny um is I if I if I've done interviews all day long and I've had to listen and you know focus and pay attention all day long the kids laugh at me because I will put the closed caption on for some TV shows that I know or love I already know the characters you know whatever and I'll watch it just with closed captioning because I do actually get a lot more out of reading the, you know, watching the show and reading the captions as we go, so much more than when I listen to it, especially when I'm tired.
2: Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine what it must be like. Even- after a full day of interview and the kids come home and you're probably saying I don't want to listen to a word
1: they do and they know like and that's why I've started packing my recording days like I'll do 12 episodes today I start at eight in the morning I finish at six o'clock every half hour with a couple breaks and then when it's one of my radio nights you know radio days the kids know they're like I order food I don't try to cook. They, you know, you like tonight will be their pizza or tacos, like something super easy. And then I will go into my room, pull my hair up and just literally, they call it radio silence. Like, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear your video games. I don't want to hear your TV. Like with my dad, he's got to put his headphones on. The kids need to put their Bluetooth on. I just need quiet.
2: Yeah, I imagine. Wow. More power to you, man, to pack that much into one day.
1: Well, it's like if you did a binge editing job and you edited for 12 hours because you know you need the next two days to travel or do something else. It's, it's you know, it's it's very similar. The only difference is, is I need the whole house to be quiet while I'm recording, which means the dogs need to be on the south paddock. Like, you know, they can't be running around the house and barking. And my dad can't be running around the house and being my dad. He's 89 and he likes to turn the, the, the History Channel on or the American Heroes Channel and you know there's like a harrier landing in the next room and the whole walls shake because you know there's a battleship coming by it's victory at sea or it's Archie Bunker with Edith going Archie like it's amazing how loud things are until you need it to be quiet
2: yeah yeah so
1: tell me where can we find your books
2: on Amazon Um, the the newest book the self-editing tips is only an ebook so at this time so you can find it on amazon um, my other books they can find at my website at motivationaleditor.com nice in, in my bookstore
1: so. very nice and i really like your cover that you picked. You picked an antique typewriter. There's a key. There's a pen, a red pencil, and a pair of glasses. And I'm like, oh my gosh! If that doesn't say self-editing and publishing, I don't know what is.
2: Yeah, that's the same cover image that that Tammy used for my first book on um, the cheat sheets one. Right, the, the cheat sheets, right? So, basically, You know, I thought, well, hey, it's basically the same. We're the, doing the same thing here, so. I use that same picture and I just put in a different title.
1: Very nice, very nice. So you guys, Deborah Butterfield. Butterfield is spelled B-U-T-T-E-R-F-I-E-L-D, Deborah, D-E-B-R-A. I just followed you. I can't wait to um, hear about, you got, before we go, you gotta tell me about your new book coming out in August.
2: The new book is Discovering Her Inheritance. It is the second book of my Her Inheritance fiction series. Um, And so this one, yeah, they, it takes place in a different state. The first one took place in Montana. This one takes place in primarily in South Dakota, near the panhandle of Nebraska and same characters. um,
1: Just more of the story. Wonderful. Terrific. All right. Well, you know what, Deborah? thank you for being my guest today. If you can give me your website one more time. TheMotivationalEditor.com TheMotivationalEditor.com. All right. Check it out. We'll be back soon with another great episode. Thanks a lot, Sandra.
0: Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Join us again. We've got something you won't want to miss. Motherhood Talk Radio is a production of Beck Multimedia.